This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I am Josh with you every week without fail. Uh, before we get too, started too far, do me a favor. We need we need some more listeners. So tonight or tomorrow when you're listening to this, share us with at least one coworker. Share share the goodness because this is going to be a rock star show. I can feel it in my bones. This is going to be a great episode. So share us with at least one coworker in your office and uh, spread the joy that is the K twelve Tech Talk podcast. With me, more times than not, is Chris. Hello, Chris. What's up? And the gentleman, the best man, who, from what I understand, I have firsthand reports, the best man that may have given the best, best man speech last weekend in the Northeast, Mark. That's me. That's it. That was, that was, Mark, that's all I get out of that hell of an intro. That's me. No, I was at my uh, my brother's wedding and I and I had to give the best man speech and had to. That's was, not the right phrase, Mark. Uh, you, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, do you think he had to pick you to be the best man? That, just that was of the a, brother stuff. That was a get to, Mark. I got to give. I the was best honored man. in giving the best man speech. There you go. So there you go. There yes. you go. There you go. Yep. So, week two of school for Chris and I. This is our second full week. We we were we jumped right in full week last week, which there you know you can argue that start on a Thursday, start on a Monday. Kids aren't used to it. Whatever. We are nearing the end of the second week of school. Mark is still doing what the Northeast does and does more vacation than working. Um, Mark is still on summer vacation, right, Mark? Heck yeah! <laughs> I almost swore. <laughs> Can't do that in front of Chris. Um, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Mark is is prepping for the school year. Mark is no not- Mark. Just for the record, hey, just for the record, I want people to be their authentic selves. You know, that's very nice. I don't want you. you to be different just because I'm here. No, I want you to change. But, uh, I'm- <laughs> okay, I can already tell this is going to be a heck of an episode. <laughs> um, can I can I swear? Uh, you can drink, which you're already drinking, so you're you're joining me in the in the right. depravity of drinking um so yeah second week mark is not transitioning to a new student information system like chris and i are um but chris i you're not doing it until christmas right correct my prayers are with you um it's been a lot it's been a lot we found out that we have the same implementation person yeah you and i yeah um so i name dropped that today actually with one of our big meetings oh did you uh, with them, I said, just so you know, we all talk to each other, and I know Josh. That's funny. And he's told me how bad it's going. Oh, whatever. It's not going bad. We <laughs> no. I, there, there are as with any major system. I've been through a couple different system migrations in my twenty plus years. Um, there, there are little things that become end up being naggy type things. Um, and, and we're, we're to that point. We're working our way through things. 
today, major milestone though, we successfully got uh, our transportation <clears throat> routes, our bus routes into Infinite Campus automatically. So that's cool. Um, we have never had that with our student information system, even with our prior system. So that's a major cool. move forward. People are excited about. We 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 did hear, and I'm going to mess up these numbers. So this is not any kind of a quote. But um, so with Infinite Campus, there's the okay, Josh. The other company that helps out with the rollouts is CIC. CIC. So something like this. Again, don't quote me on these numbers, but there's like a hundred twenty something hundred just say over a hundred schools spinning up 174 was the number i was given that are spinning up right now yes in comparison me christmas breaking it there's like four of us yeah so you gotta feel like the burden of support that you guys are experiencing that i'm gonna have a different absolutely to tell absolutely and and i can't say support has been bad cic my implementation person at CIC has been fantastic. Um, today, when we were working through this uh, transportation import, I was actually able to get a hold of the developer. I was able to call her. She answered right away. Fantastic support with CIC so far. The issues that we're having are the, the naggy type issues that I mentioned earlier are... A few moments later. There are a number of things that have to happen to the student record before they dump out of the one roster interface to Clever, um, including their user ID being created, including their email address being put in. One hour later. So I, what I foresee, and I've, I've had a couple meetings about this already or conversations about this already, I see our workflow changing when a, when a student comes in. I've sent out a couple emails to other districts about, hey, how do you handle 2,000 years later? So that's been a lot of the conversations that we've been having over the last two weeks. I'm going to be honest. You sound stressed out, Josh. Um, I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, I, I think Mark wants to say something. Tell us more about Alaska, Josh. <laughs> about Alaska? <laughs> I, I, okay, so it would be it would be a complete lie if I did not say I was looking at Alaska pictures this afternoon and reminiscing about our wonderful trip. And it would be a complete lie if I uh, said I was not looking at renting an RV for an extended amount of time in the great state of Alaska. So, yes. Is your wallpaper Alaskan? Uh, on this computer, it is. Yeah. This is. <laughs> we're going to have to make another montage of Josh talking about campus. Oh, God. And then Here going we go. right into Oh, about campus? How's, <laughs> how's infinite campus? <laughs> A few hours later. <laughs> no, but you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, it, it could be much, much worse. Um, we're recording grades. We're feeding kids. Those transactions are being tracked. It, it could be very right. different well, headaches. Yeah, you're not getting emails and support tickets that say like, hey, just want to let you know everything's going great today with launch or with whatever. You know <laughs> right? what I mean? No. You're not getting any any kind of feedback like that. <laughs> However, the food service director does sit in our office complex and we do have direct feedback from her when there's a problem. And she she is more than happy to tell us, hey, I haven't heard from him today, so I assume everything's going great. And and nine times out of ten, I was actually in the high school today and I was I was leaving the building through the cafeteria. And one of the ladies, uh, she and I were, were, you know what? You two shut up. 
Um, I mean, not that, not that you're, I'm talking, I'm doing all the talking anyway. Uh, oh, okay. Well, shut up. <laughs> I, I'm done. That's it. You two. T- Are you? Cause we're 11 minutes in. <laughs> shut up. All right. Take over you two ass jerks. No, I mean, I think we're done. We're done for the night. Thank you. Thank you for Chris, listening. Who's our first, Share us with your friends. Our first sponsor, Chris. See ya. Yeah. Let's give a, uh, Let's give a quick shout out <laughs> to Extreme Networks. Uh, Dominic Mayer, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast, dmayer at extremenetworks.com. Uh, they can help you out with your switching needs, with your networking needs, uh, and they're really knowledgeable. In particular, Dominic is really knowledgeable. So uh, shoot him an email if you're looking to swap out your networking gear. Uh, he can hook you up. <laughs> it's okay, Josh. I know. We're with you. Nope. We're with you. Nope. I'm putting myself on mute. When you're down, we're down. When you rise, we rise. When you talk a lot, we listen. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, let's talk about Chromebooks, though. Mark, Mark, you have something. <laughs> now, Josh is, for, for whatever crazy reason, Josh is a little afraid to talk right now. I've never seen him like this. You've hurt my feelings. <laughs> On air. I love it. Oh my god. I don't I don't know where we are. Well, okay, let's talk. We have some news stuff to talk about. So there was some news articles. Josh, I'm gonna ask you to talk now. Oh, uh, I get to talk now? <laughs> I don't know if you're willing to talk tonight. Mm, um, I don't know. You took a 10 second break. We're ready. Uh, so jo- there was a couple of news articles. Uh, actually, one from my neck of the woods as well. Um, New Haven, Connecticut lost a little bit of money due to a compromised email account. Yeah. So the interesting the interesting thing about this one that, that makes this attack or this incident different is when we read about K-12 districts getting hit with uh, a ransomware attack or some sort of cyber attack, the dollar amount associated is typically due to the loss of, of time or records or, or the um, ransom that they've put on the encryption or on not releasing the data. So this New Haven uh, Public Schools is a little bit different. Uh, the loss of money, the majority of it, I think, million worth of the loss can be attributed to uh, business email compromise where the bad guys were sending out emails to vendors and vendors were forking over dollars in uh, incorrect Mm. invoices and stuff like that. They're also, they're internal emails too. It sounds like the, the, this email account was even sending messages to the city as well. Yes. So it was internal and external. That's a little hard to wrap our heads around here in the Midwest. The district's, being related to the city like that, but I guess that's a thing up by you. Yeah. But they said that they've recovered upwards of $3.6 million of the uh, $6 million that was taken. So it's it, it's pretty wild. It, it goes to show the value. I mean, MFA probably would have stopped that. It sounds like if somebody were able to get into your account and send that about an email, uh, they most likely did not have MFA on their account. Yeah, I agree. So that means a simple compromised email account. Either you fell for a phishing email, you gave up your password, was a $6 million profit in probably a really short amount of time too. If that's not convincing you yeah, 
four payments totaling 5.9 million were stolen from the bus service, oh. the company that has the contract for the bus service. I'd love to know how much time passed from like compromise to emails to response to emails, you know, that yeah. made the money move. Yeah. That's the most profitable scam I've ever seen. And if $6 million losses is not your reason to enable MFA on your staff right now, especially your execs, gosh, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that one kind of caught my eye today with the, just, just how different it is. Cause we're used to seeing the loss associated with the district paying out to prevent data loss or data exposure. This was a little bit, this very different uh, as far as the loss is concerned or the method for the loss uh, is concerned. The other, the other story that we had uh, that was in the news, the Prince George County public schools in Maryland, apparently this is a top 20 largest district in the country. Um, You guys up that way, you need to get your stuff together. Yeah, no kidding, Mark. I think you need to go give some in-services or something. That's East Coast. That's not that's not New England. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm. What? Yeah, Prince George's? Maryland? It's not. <laughs> it's not New England. Maryland is New England, right? Oh, let's just let's just move on, Josh. What? Are you wrong, Mark? What? Maryland, New England? It's part of the one of the in in that area of the original 13 colonies, right? Okay. Okay. Let's let's move on. Oh, this is so embarrassing for you guys. Oh. Yeah, it's not, is it, Mister no. Northeastern, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont? This is like one of those. You guys fight over this stuff up there, don't you? Yeah. Look, Connecticut. We're gonna debate whether or not you're New England, but Maryland. No, no one's debating whether or not Maryland is New England. I just want people from Maryland to know that if their state was near the Midwest, we would call them a part of the Midwest. (laughs) That's how we feel. I don't think anybody from Maryland is like, oh, darn, we wanted to be New England. No. (laughs) (laughs) And if you kind of got like Midwest antics about you, you can say you're from the Midwest. Like we're we're okay with that. Yeah, Chris Chris identifies as a resident of of New Hampshire because he's all about uh, live free or die. Don't tread on me. Chris, Chris. Well, what happened in Prince George's anyways? Uh, So they had. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So personal data from uh, Prince George's County Public Schools, uh, apparently top 20 in the country, uh, may their personal data may be released online. They're they're saying uh, due to a cyber attack earlier this month, affecting 4,500 district user accounts out of 180,000, according to the statement that the district has released. So. Uh, again, cool. <clears throat> yeah, you know, there no no direct monetary loss attributed to this yet, but I'm sure there will be uh, between you know filing for uh, identity theft coverage for the individuals affected or whatever. There's going to be a loss associated with that, uh, but no real details about the security uh, incident or what what really took place. Just that 4,500 individuals may be affected. So. Chris, do you want to talk about uh, Jupiter real quick, one of our newest sponsors? Yeah, that's kind of funny timing. So uh, check out Jupiter. It's jupiter.ed.com if you're looking for a sys. And I know that they don't just target like the small school district or the medium size. They target all. Uh, but if you're if you have not picked out your sys yet, and if you're thinking about changing, uh, check them out. Go to that website, jupiter.ed.com. Uh, they do your state reporting. They do your attendance, your behavior tracking, grad requirements, scheduling, the whole bit. It's a sys. 
Uh, there's some quotes on here. Uh, this guy, Dan from uh, New York. This is a funny quote. Jupiter is clearly programmed better than power school. That's not my quote. That's a quote. That's a quote from Dan from New York. Uh, but anyways, check out Jupiter. Uh, they do an LMS as well. They have different pieces. Uh, you don't have to think of them as just assist. They would be just your LMS. They would be just uh, the different pieces that they offer. But check them out. And our guy, Stuart, is who can hook you up. Uh, it's stuart.miles at jupitered.com. I'll put that in the podcast description. Last week, you know, when, when we were when we were in the throes of the stressors of the first week of school, uh, someone mm. on K-12 Tech Pro, Chris, I think you're familiar with this website. Are you are you familiar with K-12 I Tech I like that Pro? site quite a bit. Um, someone developed a uh, first week of school bingo card. Did you guys see this? Did you, I, did you guys? I did see it. If you are not on K-12 Tech Pro, there was a bingo sheet that someone developed including squares well first of all it's got my my bobblehead all over it uh as the free space uh but it has squares like quote can you come set up my pc or a dead ups or yell at least five expletives in less than an hour i know none of none of none of the three of us would would fall for that um quote can you hook up my alexa captcha day or solve a problem, <laughs> solve a problem by, by having the bobblehead present. So uh, I'm trying to convince Chris to theme this with K12 uh, Tech Talk images and maybe K12 Tech Pro images, and then we'll tweet this out. Get on K12 Tech Pro and check out the bingo card and see if you can yell bingo at your school at the start of the school year. All right, uh, Mark, do you want to talk about the homework that you have done about this uh, Chromebook options that you saw in this principal thread on Facebook? Yeah, so there's a there's a principal group. It's a rather large uh, Facebook group called the Principal's Desk. It's a really good, very vibrant group about uh, principals and, and talk about all kinds of different topics. Well, this week there was a question asked, how do you deal with Chromebooks in your high school? We are one-to-one, -one, and for the last few years, we've given them to students, and they carry them around their backpacks. However, there's so much trouble with them, losing their chargers, breaking, leaving them at home. We decided to keep Chromebooks in classrooms this year. However, we're noticing that students are needing them to complete work at home to do their virtual classes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying to find a happy medium, and there's a very vibrant conversation with principals about what they do. So what we thought we would do tonight is talk about what are the different models for student device distributions and what do each of us do in our districts or what do we what do we do in our schools? So we come up with three different models and pretty much everything we've we've heard, especially on this uh, this principal thread was kind of a variation of this one. Uh, and I thought that each each of us would kind of talk about this model and how we might apply it in our district. So. Gentlemen, who wants to go first? Uh, so we, I'll talk through um, bringing, allowing kids to take their devices home all the time. So at my school district, uh, we use Chromebooks uh, and we are one-to-one -one K through 12. Um, we allow students in middle school and high school, so basically grades six through 12 to take their Chromebook home. We tell them to take it home every single day. Uh, when we get to fifth grade and fourth grade, they can go home as the teacher directs. 
So maybe not every single day, but if there's a project going on, they can take it home. Uh, if the kid's going to be out sick for a while, they can take it home, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, at the third grade, uh, we say that they can take it home as the teacher directs and with principal approval. So we kind of targeted third grade, like it doesn't really need to go home that often. There needs to be like a special case. It needs to make more sense, a per student kind of decision. Uh, and then below that, we're one-to-one kindergarten, first and second, but they do not go home. Uh, they stay in the classroom. So, uh, and that's just because they don't, there, there aren't things that come up uh, at that, that we've seen at those grade levels where there is a need uh, for homework uh, that low. Uh, so at middle school, high school, at those upper elementaries, a couple reasons why they go home. Uh, we want the charger. We tell the student to keep the charger at home. They're not allowed to bring their charger to school. That's a rule. Uh, we, for lack of a better way of saying it, we're putting that burden of charging at the household, at the home, uh, because we don't have outlets all over the place. We don't want tripping hazard of uh, the chargers in the classroom. So we say that you can't charge your Chromebook in the classroom. We have charging stations throughout all of our buildings, uh, in particular in the libraries that you can use. If you've not charged your Chromebook well, we have we try to get about a 10% reserve of extra Chromebooks to take care of our loaners. If you forgot to charge your Chromebook the night before, if your Chromebook isn't working, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we don't want you to be without a Chromebook while you're at school, uh, but we, we, we want you to be taken care of, but we want you to take care of your Chromebook while it's at home. Uh, we deal with, I'd say, the whole backpack thing. So we put our Chromebooks into cases, uh, and then the Chromebook in the case goes a lot of times into a backpack. Sometimes that causes issues with it doesn't fit into the backpack well. So then kids take their Chromebooks out of the case then that can cause breakage and all that kind of stuff. So we deal with some issues like that. Um, we deal with issues of stickers on Chromebooks. We talked about that not long ago. And I say all that to say, I think you get some extra issues when you give ownership, like the kid owns it, like they are taking it home. Uh, so in a good way, they have ownership. Like you want them to, you know, have responsibility for their device. But in the bad way of ownership, too is sometimes there's sometimes there's some neglect uh, that comes comes along with it too did i answer that kind of yeah are you are you dealing with like so f for at home issues and breaks are you dealing with insurance or self insurance like how do the, what happens when a kid breaks a device at home so we landed on and this is what we've done for uh, our existence of one to one and i guess we're in year 10 uh, we are self insured uh, and to quickly break it down it's $30 a student, they can opt in or opt out. They don't have to do it. Uh, and then if there's like, we do like a multi-family discount too. So if you're a family of three, the second and third child is $25 each. Uh, and then we do the first. So if you crack your screen and you have insurance, it's covered. Uh, if you crack the screen again, it's $5. If you crack three screens in a year, that third screen would be $10. Uh, and we're probably asking why you cracked the screen three times, uh, that kind of thing uh, for for both sides. So, so, so then if you didn't have insurance uh, and you crack a screen, then you're paying for the cost, whatever it costs us to replace the screen, whatever the part is, uh, we change that dollar amount based upon whatever it is. So if that's a $65 screen, well, then we charge you $65. If like at high school level, we do touch screen. 
man, those things are expensive sometimes. That could be like a $94 uh, part uh, that you're going to get charged kind of thing. So the insurance makes a ton of sense. But again, we do have a lot of uh, people that don't always opt into that. I'd say we're still pretty high. We're in the 60, 70 uh, percent on people that take uh, out the insurance uh, for that. So we only do the insurance stuff for the ones that go home. At that lower elementary, we just treat that Chromebook like it's a classroom yeah. device. There's no insurance or anything with that. Uh, but, we do, you know, an accident's an accident. If you punch the screen and you had insurance, that doesn't matter. Matter That's vandalism. You're going to get charged for that. But I mean, it sounds like that that's a lot more work on the technician because you got to manage insurance and fees and fines and collecting money from families and things like that. And I don't know. Yeah. So like when a Chromebook comes in and it's not working, we diagnose if it's an accident or just faulty. You know, we're not going to, it doesn't matter if it's insurance or not, if just the system board died. Okay. That, that's not an insurance claim. That's just, that's on us that the system board dies. We deal with like chargers being lost. Um, if you have insurance, you pay half. If you don't have insurance, you pay for the whole. Yep. We even had to get into the land of, I mean, we had kids doing insurance fraud. So they wouldn't buy insurance. They crack their screen. They take their friend's Chromebook, put it in their case and try to buy insurance. And then the next day they would say that they cracked the screen. Wow. You know, they'd swap it back. So then we had to introduce checks. Uh, where before you, if it's in the middle of the school year and you want to opt in the insurance, you have to get your Chromebook inspected and we make sure that the serial matches up and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it adds a lot of burden on the process of getting insurance, the process of processing that, uh, all that kind of stuff. Wow. All right. The next model, Josh, you want to talk sure. about this one, which is kind of, do you take all those cons that Chris just talked about and this model kind of erases that? So. Yeah, the in-school in model, and, and I'll say, depending on the grade level, this this model can be super attractive and I think very, very appropriate for the age. Um, I, we are, my district is, uh, they stay at school K through five right now, and I, I tend to think that helps those devices live a little bit longer to fulfill their Google um, life cycle a little bit better, uh, because they aren't going home. They aren't being stuffed in backpacks. They aren't going on an hour long bus ride. Uh, they aren't getting swung around in a backpack, you know, goofing around. Uh, so you don't have to worry about insurance that way. We, we treat them like a textbook. If, if they're left at school, it's a, it's a resource of the district. It is assigned to a kid, but it's not really their financial responsibility to worry about damages or anything like that, unless there is like Chris said, intentional damage, then yeah, we're going to, th the same with the textbook. If a student decides to intentionally damage a textbook, there's probably going to be either discipline or financial repercussions to that. The same with a Chromebook. If there's, if they're staying at school, but there is, you know, a kid gets mad and, and puts a pencil through the, the LCD screen and breaks it, the kid's going to be liable or the family is going to be liable to pay for that repair. Um, but just normal wear and tear, accidents happen. I, you know, we, we understand that a Chromebook might get dropped if it's being left at school, unless there's like super negligence with that or an in, intentional intent to damage the device or drop the device. To me, that's one of those things that you, that's no different than a textbook. Um, inventory is definitely easier to manage because you kind of know where those device devices should be. Um, the downsides to them are though, is it can require a little bit more hands-on from a, from a technician of some sort, either a, 
librarian or repair IT technician. Um, students don't have devices at home or may not have a device at home. So any assignments that are assigned to be worked on after school hours, there might be a, a shortage of a resource there, thankfully, in our district. That's not a huge issue, um, but it can come up. And, and again, that's one of those conversations that if a kid needs to take a device home because they don't have another device at home to do the work on, to me, that's one of those things I'm not going to say no. Like if a kid doesn't ha- legitimately doesn't have a device at home and they need to do homework at home, give the kid a, a device. Let them take a device home and accomplish that homework. That, that's that's an easy conversation to have. Um, yeah. It, you know, depending on how you allocate these devices and where they live, quote unquote, at school, it might require students to, re- to return to a, like a homeroom type setting at the end of the day to return the device to the same cart. I know one thing that we've talked about, uh, kind of tossed around is if, if the kids move rooms and they move as a class from like, they start out in Mrs. Smith's room and every day they end in Mrs. Jones's room that at the end of the day, when they put their devices back in Mrs. Jones's cart, Mrs. Jones then could go swap with Mrs. Smith's cart, you know, kind of play musical carts, but at the next day they're going to pick up the same device. The, the house or the the cart might be different, but the devices would be the same. Um, so the, there's a, there's a few ways to get around that returning to the cl- same place or the same classroom at the end of the day. Um, so I, th- does the student, sorry, does the student have, uh, you know, device A, do they have that one every single day or do they just kind of swap out to the first available? I think the goal would be that, you know, they have device A every day. That way, you know, you can tr- kind of track damage that way too. That if device right. A has damage on it, if it's that one kid that you know that's their device throughout the day, chances are that kid damaged that device. Or even if it's shared among two two classrooms worth of kids, if that that kid has that same device every day, or those two kids have that same device every day, your your list of of suspects is down to two and not a class of thirty yeah. or a class of twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think and we deal some... with that slowness of first login too, of extensions or whatever that have sure. to load if it's a unique device all the time. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, we're, we're talking about Chromebooks, but it, it, if you have a PC or a Mac, this is kind of a moot point, right? The student has to have the mm-hmm. same device every single time. So right. I guess part of it is your options may depend on what device you're even using the, in the first place. Yeah. To a degree. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mark, what are you going to talk about? Yeah, so we we've struggled with with those models and we obviously did that during COVID when we were coming back in and students were kind of a hybrid. They were taking their devices back and forth. They were um, prim- primarily assigned. We really had a lot of problems with that um, and a lot of schools were losing devices and we did not have the mechanisms to, um, I know this, this may sound rough, but to hold families or to hold students accountable. We're not a district where we, um, want to charge families for what we would consider a, a device that they need for school. And we have a lot of students and families that that's a, that's too much of a burden to, to, to pay for a broken device. So what we found more and more schools opting to do was to just move back to the classroom model or the classroom sets. So more, more of our schools now have a classroom set. Um, this works really well, uh, when students are in the same room all day long, like an elementary or maybe, maybe a middle school. Um, 
with accountability, we put more of the accountability on the teacher when they're managing their their classroom set. They are accountable for that because they want to use them the next day. So they're more inclined to take care of the devices knowing that these are the ones I have to use the next day. Um, the teachers are able to build routines with their kids, make sure you plug it in, make sure it gets charged. And so the next day uh, it can be ready to go and you know that your Chromebooks are going to be charged the next day. So we were not losing or we're not losing as many chargers anymore. We're not seeing as many broken devices or lost devices because they stay in the classroom. So it's definitely an easier lift on teachers. It's definitely an easier lift on on our technicians. The downside is in order to do a class set, you've got to have more devices than you have kids. So this was a struggle for some schools because they the devices weren't coming back in with the kids. They didn't have enough to do classroom sets. So when, with our refresh, we built that in. Uh, and they use some of the older devices as well. Um, there is still the challenge, though, when kids are rotating from class to class and they use a different device, something gets broken, you don't notice it. It's a challenge to figure out, well, who broke this device three periods ago? Um, and then you kind of deal with, you know, a variance in quality depending on the teacher, if, if they're going to maintain it or not. But I will say overall, it's easier for us to keep the devices in one spot and uh, teachers are much more inclined to take care of the stuff that's in their classroom than if it's moving from room to room. So those are the models. Real quick, Chris, why don't you talk about Fortinet real quick, and then we'll come back to this. I think you just did. You can email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Uh, Chris Illingworth is our best friend over at Fortinet. He can help you with all of your Forta needs. Fortinet, check them out. See what you did there. So... If you had to change one thing, one or two things about your current models for doing one-to-one, what would you guys like to see change? You know, it might be a methodology as far as what grade level do you send them home? Um, It might be, I I don't know, somewhere in there. Chris, I think you've been doing this. I know you've been doing one-to-one take home longer than I have by three or four years. Um, what what would you say would be one thing that you would change about how you guys have deployed this? Um, I would love to not do the uh, insurance. Uh, so you 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 kind of gave me a blank canvas. So I would just like to say that they're going home, and unless it's vandalism, like we're not going to charge you. That the money's not part of the equation because we we do see um, there's different ways that you can impact this, but the parent sometimes the parent that doesn't buy insurance um, they're never going to buy insurance. Right. It's, it, it's, it's maybe it's not even a, because of a financial thing going on. They just, they're not into it. Yeah. So it sucks when that kid accidentally cracks the screen and now there's that big charge and that kid feels the weight of, I got to use a loaner for today because I cracked my screen. Uh, whatever all that stuff is, we're putting a kid, a middle school, high school kid or whatever, through what that feels like as an adult when you make a decision about insurance or not and all that kind of stuff. I don't like that part. I don't like that part of it. Uh, so I, I just wish the money part of self-sustaining insurance, whatever, I, I wish it wasn't something that we had to worry about. I will. I, I, I skipped this one part of the pro. I love, um, so my daughter has an iPad. That's a personal iPad at home. I would prefer that she's using school device as opposed to personal device at home, because I have a lot more content filtering going on. 
Um, I'm protecting, I, you know, I protect the kids at my school as far as internet usage goes, how I want to protect my own with all the laws and all the regulations, et cetera, that we're following. Uh, a lot of kids don't have a tech director as the dad in the household. <laughs> so I at least feel like I'm, if, if we're giving kids devices and they're taking them home, we're helping protect the content that they're being exposed to on those school devices. Uh, and I stand by that all day. And again, you can't put a dollar amount to that. Yeah. You know, that that's something, Chris, that came up in, in a conversation with somebody else today that I was having. Um, your, your thought process as far as, you know, some school districts go way out of their way to, to prevent students from chatting in Google Docs or chatting in a Google slide. Um, and, and kind of your stance, and this is kind of getting off the trail a little bit, but your, your stance, you, you've gone on record in the past as saying, look, I would rather them chat in Google Docs oh, yeah. or slides because we can see that than finding, sure. it, finding going out of their way to find another tool online to do that. And, the, and there might be a self-harm situation or a, or a vulnerability situation that's not being caught because the student went somewhere else. Um, and I think for that, sure we that, do those. We yeah we 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 do those layers of monitoring Drive and monitoring Gmail and monitoring all 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 those things. Monitoring searches, we get to be involved to try to help the kid, to try to protect the kid uh, when they're going through that bad spot, when they're being bullied, when they're thinking about self harm or suicide or whatever. And and I, and I don't think it's like an overstep kind of thing. Again, I would ra- I would rather if I if I have to pick a path. I'd rather that the school helped identify that that terrible thing was going on because it was on a school issued device. than we had no shot at it because they did it on a cell phone. That was their personal device kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I think those are very, when you, when you talk through it, those are very under understandable viewpoints of those. I think if I were to change anything, I think Chris, I would, I would agree with you insurance Um, over the last three or four years, for whatever reason, we've had a a definite decline in people, in people taking out the insurance. We're, we're down below 20% now, which there's a lot of headache and over, not oversight, but just a lot of stuff that comes with it. Like we have to manage the lists that get uploaded and then checking to see if the student has insurance when there's damage. Um, I would like to get, get rid of that. Um, and, and, going forward in, in upcoming years. The other thing I would like to do is I would like to, uh, in, in the grade levels that we have a very high level of damage, uh, a ratio of damage, we, we, I would love to look at bringing those devices back in-house and not sending them home. Those are probably the two big changes that I would like to see, but I don't know if we'll get there. Mark. Uh, it's, it's a hard one. I think, um, We've, we've had different models and we've seen the pros and cons of this. And, and honestly, over the last three, four years with COVID, things have really changed. I think one thing that has been lacking is, and I'm, and I'm going to say a word, but I'm going to quantify it in a second. Accountability and responsibility is, is really lacking. But uh, people often think that that means charging and paying for problems and damage. I want to have a much better accountability system that simply means if you forget your charger, this is what the next step is. If you break a device, this is what the next step is. If this is your fourth device, this is what the next step is. But I think people look at that and say, 
they attach a dollar amount to each one. And that's mm-hmm. what gets gets kind of frustrating is like that just throws the conversation off. I want to be able to say, you know, every student who knows that when they forget to bring their Chromebook in charged, then I have to do X, Y, and Z. I've got to go to the library. I've got to go to the charging station. I've got to get it charged. That's the kind of thing to be able to have consistent routines and that everybody in the process knows exactly what the repercussions are going to be if a routine is not followed or something breaks. That's what I would I want to strive for. And I want to really emphasize that that does not mean charging people. That's just that I feel like that's the easy solution that people always look for. When I've talked to districts of like, do you charge kids for damage? Nobody ever says, and it works, and it fixes yeah. everything. I, I was just going to say the same yeah. thing. Yep. It, that's the one thing that I think people always look for and say, you know, if we could charge the kid who's on his fourth Chromebook, it would solve the problem. It really doesn't. It does not solve the problem. Um, but if that student knows, I just broke my Chromebook, I'm going to bring it into school, and I know exactly what's going to happen. Either... I've got to sit with a teacher or I've got to write a letter. And I know that these are punitive kinds of things. But if if a student knows what's going to happen as a result of breaking a device and a teacher knows what's going to happen as a result of losing their devices, then that's that's what I want to get to. And yeah, easier said than done. I was just thinking it'd be awesome if there was like a, you got to go to Saturday school and they teach you how to fix your Chromebook screen. <laughs> like you have to do your own repair, you know? I mean, that's restorative justice, right? Is is a student right. being being able to restore the problem, being able to restore. I mean, you don't want to think of that as, as a punishment, but, you know, a student knowing that I'm going to fix my own device if I break it is both a life skill as well as a responsibility. Could be cool. So, well, yeah. think think about it, Chris. You know, you have that student help led help desk. So do I. That that could lead into almost a feeder program in into that right. program. You know, if yeah. you expose kids to that and they like that, they could they could join your student led help desk. Or um, we see the data shows that kids break their stuff more because they like they like fixing. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm gonna that, break my screen again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that would happen. But but Mark, you know, to your point. What I think what we're doing now clearly doesn't work, especially at a middle school level. A lot of people, a lot of districts that I talk to, the middle school level is where they see the majority of their damage coming from. And we're in that boat. Um, we have yet to find the silver bullet for the middle school kids to to take ownership of those devices and, and to, I, I don't know what it is, to feel ownership so that they don't break these devices right. or they don't treat them like a notebook and just toss them around. Yeah. Um, we have yet to find that silver bullet and I, I don't know what the solution there is, uh, but there is a definite, a definite difference between middle school age and high school age and how they treat these devices. I think too, there's a big difference in how people treat devices and I'm, this, I'm going to say people in, in general term, students and teachers treat devices after COVID because they're so easy to come into schools and they're not treated as a valuable learning tool or a device. They're treated as a throwaway because there's going to yeah. be one that replaces it. So I've noticed a big difference in in this this problem. You know, many many districts were one to one before COVID, but when COVID came and more and more devices flowed in, mm-hmm. the the uh, way that they were treated has changed a lot. So as a as a quick wrap wrap up tonight, we appreciate you sticking with us through the fifty minutes of nonsense that we've um, been talking about tonight. 
uh, do share us with share us with an employee or a 10 coworker. minutes was just you talking about yeah, well, here we <laughs> yeah go. the final recording josh will not be 50 minutes we're at 50 minutes of recording but I, once i cut off the entire beginning of this episode it'll be about 10 minutes hurtful so hurtful uh share share us with a coworker. uh that that's how we continue to go chris since mark since you're gonna cut me up chris uh you said we had a couple listener emails oh yeah yeah let me pull one well, there was one that badmouthed on our audio, and guys, we're working on it, okay? We're we're clearly not paid professionals here. Uh, we hear you, Ryan, from uh, Iowa. Uh, he says, howdy, fellas, a big fan of the content. Uh, it makes my commute more enjoyable and helps me keep on top of the trending issues in the office. We do appreciate that line. But then he says... Uh, can you guys apply like an audio limiter of some sort? I've noticed the loudness is all over the place. It's like you guys are fiddling with the knob quite a bit. What's the response? What what do we say to that email, guys? Chris is really hot tonight. We're not real sure why. Hopefully Mark oh. hopefully Mark can fix that in post. I, I don't know. Every time you guys come on, I've got to pull my headphones off because you're screaming <laughs> into the microphone. It's one of it's either Josh one day, it's Chris the next. All right. What so, else? Yeah, got, I agree with him. I agree with him. <laughs> Uh, here's a uh, listener email from Pate. Oh, Lord. How many hours have you all spent on the phone waiting on tech support to give you some help for the different programs that you use this week? And then he says, well, everybody but Mark, because he's still a loser on summer break. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pate really So, Josh, that? how often, how, how many minutes were you on the phone with tech support this week? Uh, would you I say? was on the phone with uh, waiting on hold for well over an hour with our transportation company this week. That was just one afternoon. Mark, were you on? I was. I I had a problem with the company. I was very upset. And I called and I was told the wait is over an hour and a half. And so I sat there listening to the music. Then my phone died. (laughs) (laughs) uh, This is random. I I had a projector that I ordered on Amazon. Uh, It looks like it's lost in shipping. So I sent the seller a message, whatever, because it was like, you know, random projector online store. And he said to give him a call. So I called and then he put me on, <laughs> he put me on hold. And it was like that. Oh, oh, it was that kind of, <laughs> I was like, this is insane. How, how was that? Oh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're like talking the kick, about. The old Kit Kat commercials, right? Very well done. Very well done. Is that Ferris Bueller? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any anyway. Other, any other listener emails? Um, uh, from listener uh, Richard. Uh, he's been on a four-week break. That must be nice. Richard. Richard is the one that's from Japan. Well, he's not from uh, Japan. Teaches he's, it in, he's in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's from Australia living in Japan, uh, if I'm getting that right. Teaches at an, at an international school. He said he's trying to do some networking with some other Japanese schools. Uh, told us to keep up the work. It's appreciated. Uh, he's hoping that we do a K-12 Tech Pro National Conference that he might be able to attend. That would be awesome, Richard. Yeah. How how wild would that be, being from Australia and being in Japan at a school? All right, gentlemen. Any The same as being in Maryland above California, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a part of New England, I... supposedly. Any... Any closing thoughts for tonight? No, I think we should wrap this up because we got a long night of editing ahead of us. Oh, whatever. 
<laughs> okay, Mark, I will yield. New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Maryland are often called the Mid-Atlantic states. Hmm. Yeah, no sh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this one up. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. We are K-12 Tech Talk, and so are you. The views and opinions expressed on the K-12 Tech Talk podcast are the personal opinions of Josh, Chris, and Mark, and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with. The material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.